Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am Jeremy Finch-Penninger and I am very lucky to be joined today by Grace Brown of Holden Team Gusto, um, newly newly minted as the Oceania Time Trial Champion and unluckily um, really close to taking the gold as well in the road race. Um, Grace, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. A bit tired from the weekend, but happy. Describe the process of um, what it was like to go over to Tasmania. I mean, it's uh, it's a bit different from previous years. We've had we've been on the mainland for a while, but it's uh, Tasmania now until 2020. I think um, they've got the they've got the hosting rights for the Oceania Championships now. It was definitely a little bit harder um, logistically having to go over to Tassie and um, organise support my team unfortunately couldn't be there so yeah I had to organize a lot of it myself which made it harder. Did you um, team up with um, your teammate though in Sarah Gigante in any way to try and smooth out the process a bit? Uh, we we didn't stay together but um, we had quite a bit of contact over the weekend did did support each other in various ways so yeah there was there was still that team um, aspect, although she was in different races to me, which was a bit a uh, bit of a pity because she's uh, good to have on the road. Yeah, well, m- emotional support, I guess, can help as well. It was a bit of a family affair then, um, doing the Swan Year business. Or? Yeah, well, I had my um, coach Flick and her partner Dave, and my boyfriend and mum were there to help as well, so that was good. Yeah, I met Dave actually. Um, I've, I've never met Flick. She, she's never been at the same races as me, but. Um, She's obviously a, a really well-established coach in the Australian scene, and it's—I mean, she used to be a time trial um, stud herself, so maybe she's passing on that um, that knowledge to you. Yeah, I think it came around at the right time for her uh, when she was uh, at, unfortunately had to leave the sport because of injury. Um, I popped up, and she's put her energy into me, which I've been really fortunate for. Well, we'll talk first about that time trial. Um, going into that, I mean, how, how confident were you? I mean, obviously there's a there's a decent start list, but a smaller start list. So we had names like uh, Kate Perry, Charlotte Lucas on there, who ended up coming second and third respectively. Um, how how was your thought process approaching the time trial? I thought I had a pretty good chance in the time trial, um, particularly because the course uh, suited me really well. It was flat with a few rollers but really nothing substantial um potential of wind which didn't really eventuate but um I thought you know those other two girls are a bit smaller than me so they'd get blown around a bit if it was windy but yeah obviously they're both very strong so I uh yeah had a bit of pressure especially at the halfway mark when I heard Charlotte Lucas was five seconds ahead of me well I wasn't actually told how close she was but um, but the fact that she was close <laughs> uh, and, yeah, that definitely spurred me on for the second half of the um, time trial. How did that technical course work out? I mean, technical nature of the course work out with the wind and stuff. Did you find that you had to pace yourself a bit differently? The, the main thing, well, the difference I found with this course and nationals particularly is that um, it was just a, a really constant effort. You didn't get any recovery at all you're pedaling the whole time because there was no downhill sections um so i was quite focused on keeping my power on the way out just a little bit below my threshold so sitting around 90 95 percent and then um once i turned around i just yeah 
picked it up a bit and um, yeah, left everything out on the road really. Oh, perfect. And it resulted in a win for you, um, taking the win over Kate Perry by 45 seconds. And uh, Charlotte, she must have blown up a bit maybe if she um, if she was that close to you at that minute check um, at the halfway point because she was two minutes down by the end. Um, so, yeah, maybe she went out maybe a bit too hard and your pacing strategy paid off. Yeah, I think it, it definitely definitely shows that um, you have to be mindful of of the pacing and long races like that. Michaela Harvey came, She was, her time would have been good enough for third in the Elite, actually, um, but she took out the win in the under-23, um, along with Libby Arbuckle and Maeve Moroni-Plouffe, though I think she's dropped the Moroni, actually, so I think it's just Maeve Plouffe at the moment. Um, but, yeah, they, they were the top three in the under-23s, and in the under-19s, it was Daniel Lowe from TIS, uh, Phoebe Young, who's a New Zealander who I hadn't heard of, but she did a lot of good racing over the weekend. And your teammate, Sarah Gigante, there in third. All very impressive results. Yes. I know that Sarah was a little bit disappointed with uh, her third place and luckily she you know, came back with a vengeance on the Sunday. Well, we're getting into spoilers now. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> later on. But uh, no, Sarah, I mean, she'd been winning too much, I think. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's <laughs> the result that she needed to have to you know, spur her on a bit and remind her, you know, that she's still got further to go. But she's, um, just talk about Sarah for a bit because she seems like a really bubbly personality. I haven't had the chance to interact with her too much. Um, I tend to stay away from the younger riders a bit, but um, talk talk about how she, you know, what she brings to the team. Well, this year we've got quite a few young people, but um, last year we had more older riders and Sarah just brought a really refreshing attitude to the team and she's always really enthusiastic and nothing ever gets her down but also racing she's very very competitive and um really just never never gives up even when she's you know she's been knocked back 10 times she'll keep going until she gets the result that she wants which I think is very inspiring yeah, and she's uh, she's certainly showing that competitive nature in her racing recently. And yeah, future looks bright for her. But my comment earlier about how I didn't want to, how I don't generally interact too much with the younger riders is more because I don't want to put that sort of pressure on them. Because I think we've seen in the past with you know a number of riders that, especially on the women's side of the sport, they'll um, come in and kind of burn themselves out early by putting too much pressure on themselves by trying to train too much too early, and you know maybe their bodies aren't ready for that stage and it leads to uh, a sort of I don't know, burnout, a, a disillusionment with the sport. I, I don't know if you've experienced that ever at all in your own career. I mean, you used to be a runner, of course. I've, um, I've managed to steer clear of that, but I've definitely seen it in a lot of my peers. Um, and I, th- I think, yeah, like there's always a risk with someone like Sarah, but she's She's really focused on keeping the sport fun at the moment and uh, everyone around her is is encouraging of that and um, not not trying to push her or put pressure on her. Yeah, well, working at the moment, as, as we said. Yeah, so we'll move on to the road race now. And it, what, what are the dynamics of a race when you go in with very little in the way of um, team support and a, a fairly small field as well? So. What, what are you thinking going into a race like that? Do you need to be aggressive and get on the front foot or 
do you need to you know approach it um in a different way or sit back as long as you can and then attack um i think it really depends on the course because this course was quite tough in itself there was always going to be some it's a race of attrition to an extent so as long as the pace kept up and the race was hard I was sitting in especially because I was completely outnumbered by the New Zealanders Um, but then in the second half of the race I became quite aggressive and yeah attacked numerous times just to thin the field out and then eventually get away. Mm, maybe maybe go in to and describe that course a bit because it doesn't look anything special on the profile, but um, seeing some of the videos that were coming out, it was some really tough grinding climbs there. Yeah, so uh, basically straight out of the blocks, we um, went into the first, well, the climb of the circuit, uh, which is about a 10-minute climb. And on the first lap, Kate Perry really put the pressure on there and uh, I think almost shelled half the bunch on the first lap. And then it went into quite a difficult descent. There there were some off-cramber corners towards the bottom, which um, were a little bit hard to navigate um, in the wet, <laughs> to be honest. And after that, uh, there it was about... 15 k's of rollers um, back into the finish line. So, yeah, it was quite taxing. I think I probably found it harder than the Nationals course, to be honest. Okay, that's that's interesting because it, it – I mean, I was looking – I'm only going off the profile here, but it, it doesn't look as hard, but um, maybe that second part of the second part of the course is actually – um, quite difficult there with those rollers, which aren't necessarily um, going to show up on the profile so much. Yeah, and and along with the rollers, it was quite exposed with with like either either a headwind or a crosswind in that section. So, um, yeah, it was it wasn't easy. <laughs> okay. Um, well, you, you've you've um, neglected to mention your mechanical here. Um, I was I was being told by a little birdie that you had a quite a nasty mechanical and that saw you off the back of the peloton for quite a while riding your own race. <laughs> yeah, it was um, uh, my race didn't start particularly well. So uh, on the first descent, I wasn't feeling very comfortable on the descent, and I got down the bottom and realised that my rear tyre was flat. Uh, so I got a wheel change and wasn't allowed to motor pace back on so had to <laughs> had to tt back on for a good 20 minutes um so that was an extra threshold effort that i wasn't expecting to have at the start of my race yeah probably probably wore me down a little bit um for the final final part yeah where, where did you uh, remake the juncture with the peloton after that um, about five k's out of Railton, so um, yeah, five k's before or six k's before the climb started again. Barely, barely enough time to recover before the next before the next <laughs> go. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd imagine the commentators would. Well, I mean, I wasn't there obviously, but um, from what you said about Kate Perry splitting up the bunch on the climb, um, sounds like the there was a quite a bit of a split on the road, so it might have been a bit hard for you to motor pace back through you know dropped riders and stuff like that was that the was that what the commentators were saying uh 
No, I'm not really sure. Like, it's a bit of a discretionary thing as to whether um, you can motor pace back on or not. And the commissaire decided that I, I couldn't. <laughs> so, yeah, there was there was only one girl that I saw um, at that point dropping off the back of the bunch. So um, I don't think that was to do with it. Oh, well, that's that's the, what the commissaires are there for, to, to monitor the rules and create diff difficulties for everyone else. But, yeah, <laughs> um, no, no, seriously, though, we appreciate what they do because a lot of them give up a lot of their time to um, marshal the races and do all that. Yeah, so moving on to the rest of the race. Now, it seemed, I mean, I'm going entirely off the race report here, um, which was a bit sparse, but um, it seemed like it was a race of attrition from there and um, just gradually whistling down the riders um, as, you know, eventually attacks kind of formed and people follow those attacks and other riders dropped off the back who, who couldn't follow. Yeah, so I think um, each time up the climb we we sort of finished with a selection and probably made it down to the bottom of the descent with less you know, six or less riders, um, especially in the third and fourth lap. But then some some of the riders were able to regain contact and then yeah, on, on the on the very last lap, it was basically just the the whole Kiwi cohort and Justine Barrow and myself. So I attacked a couple of times up up the climb, and um, there were only four of us left at the top. Once we got down to the descent, a few few I think two of the girls caught back on. After that, I attacked again, ten k's out. And only Charlotte Lucas came with me. So we worked together until a K and a half out. And I got away with her, but went completely lactic. <laughs> so she caught back on and we played a bit of a cat and mouse game into the finish line. Mm, and that, that final sprint there, I mean, Charlotte, she packs a, she packs a decent sprint, but um, so do you. I mean, you, you did a good job at the Australian National Championships for your sprint there. So... I mean, what was the confidence level like? I I do need to work on my sprint finishes, and I knew that I knew that Charlotte had a good sprint, um, so I yeah made her go in front of me coming into the finish, um, with the aim of you know jumping around her, but she managed to jump before me and close me off, um, so that I couldn't get around her, um, and yeah, that was. That was a tactical move by her, which paid off. And, uh, yeah, she won the race. Yeah, I, I don't know how many battles you've had in the past. I'm trying to trying to think back. But um, you, you tend to see the same riders on this local circuit and the, the good ones especially, you often have quite a few fights with them. Um, does this go into the, the scrapbook of, you know, you versus um, Charlotte? Uh, I've never, never been one up against Charlotte. I think we've um, both finished in like bunch sprints around the same place, but it's never been one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, well, we'll keep that in mind for later and um, you can get back what, uh, one up on her next time. Um, <laughs> yeah, so where does this put you now in terms of your season? Because it's it's a, it's an odd point in the season, the Oceania Champs, aren't they? And um, coming, you know, midway between the NRS season and the Australian National Championships and like the summer the summer of racing. It is um, a weird time to have the the Oceanus. Um, 
I'm not sure why they haven't thought about moving it earlier in the year so that um, more international riders can compete and um, sort of fill up the field a little bit more. But from here, I'm planning to head overseas for a few months. Yeah, so um, I'll start training towards that now. Is is that an announcement we can we can have? Like, um, where you, where are you going? Or? No, it's all under wraps at the moment. So all I can tell you is that I'm going away. <laughs> no, okay. Well, I mean, you certainly well, certainly deserve to get a bit more exposure. I think we saw that during the Australian summer of cycling, um, where you took a number of good results. Um, looking back on that period now, I mean, where, what stands out for you there? I mean, what what do you look back on with the most pride? My third place in TDU was probably my highlight result of the summer. Uh, there was a lot of excitement with nationals, but I think I'm most proud of the that stage result. What was it? What's the thinking behind that? This like you're going up against some of the best riders in the world, some of the best teams in the world, and you know showing yourself to them. Yeah, I think it was it was a really hard stage, and um, I think everyone was super tired, and I was as well. You know, had my DS's words in the back of my head about, you know, in the last 20Ks, got to look for an opportunity and try and get a result. And it was going around in my head. And eventually I was like, I just got to do it. And I went for it and it paid off. Possibly even more memorable because it was such a crazy stage, that one. I mean, rain. Um, was there hail at one point as well, that one? But there was certainly a lot of wind, a lot of rain. And it was just um, a pop. It was go for right from the start, and then um, and then became just a race of attrition. Yeah, there was just there was not an element of rest really the whole stage. Um, but it was yeah, it was one of those epic epic sort of races that even though it's really tough at the time, it's um, really memorable. Do you think you've made the right move moving from running to cycling now? I mean, after after enduring all this all this pain and uh, all these, you know, variations of schedule and a lot of some of the bullshit that comes along with cycling as well. I think there's a bit of bullshit in every sport. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in love with cycling, so I think I made the right choice and I've uh, been given some really good opportunities and met awesome people. And now we welcome Chris Harper of Benelong Swiss Wellness. Um, Chris, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. Thanks for having a chat with me. It's well worth giving uh, Chris a proper introduction. He's obviously the Oceania champion now. Um, but I remember the first time I actually saw you race was down at the National Capital Tour, probably in 2015, 2014, something like that. And you were fighting with Ryan Christensen for the King in the Mountains jersey from memory. Um I know it must seem a long way from those days. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I can sort of briefly remember that tour. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was a pretty solid tour back then. I think I was a bit crook at the time. So <laughs> yeah, and of course coming off a, a good a good summer for you. I mean, third at nationals, oh so close there, but um, you got your revenge, getting getting a win in the two up sprint this time, and um, sixth at the overall on the overall at the Herald Sun tour. So. Coming off a strong summer, and you've obviously parlayed that form into you know something pretty impressive here. Yeah, I had a 
had a good lead up to nationals and I uh, thought I was going quite well. Um, and then I had a bit of a break after Sun Tour and now it's sort of just been about building up before we head away to Europe or well, I head away on Sunday. So, yeah, it's sort of just been ramping things up again to be ready for that. So anyway, we'll jump into um, talking about the Oceania Championships and, uh, of course, it started off with the um, the time trial. Um, oh, first of all, what do you think about it being in Tasmania? Um, I, I noticed the numbers were a bit down on maybe previous years. I mean, do you think that's part, partially logistics things? I think we saw less teams, for instance, there. I mean, Ben Long didn't have a massive. See, the hardest thing with Tassie is getting everything there um, and doing it as cheap as possible, which probably makes it a little bit tricky because normally that means if a team wants to go down there and be sort of well-supported, they've probably got to get on the boat to sort of take all their stuff across. Tassie's pretty awesome for cycling and um, there's a lot of good places that they can do courses there. So as far as, as, far as that's concerned, it's as good as any, anywhere else to hold, hold the Oceanas, I think. But yeah, maybe it was just, just, a, thing of, uh, just a thing of logistics. It's um, maybe a little, little trickier to work out than some other places but hopefully uh now that everyone knows that that's sort of the plan for the next couple years hopefully that sort of becomes a factor in people's programs and you know they plan accordingly for it yeah what um it's a it comes at an odd stage on the program for many for many cyclists i mean especially locals because it's sort of halfway in between the nrs season and the nationals so what's the summer period so how do you I mean, a lot of a lot of teams these days, especially the continental teams, are doing racing overseas in Asia and um, America, which we'll be talking about soon. Um, but how do you structure your program to fit in with that? I think it probably dependent on the rider more than anything. Um, obviously, you have probably have your race schedule and you got those sort of target races. Um, and for me, Oceanus wasn't really big on the list of on the list of races to be going well at i've been sort of training pretty heavy into it and then got a late call up to taiwan which was good going there and getting a bit of speed in the legs again um but yeah i mean we've got a big block of racing in europe now so um that's probably more the focus especially a couple of the later races over in europe but i mean it's always good to add a race and uh yeah i mean racing's better than training so <laughs> i'm not going to complain yeah, I was, I was speaking to James Whelan actually, who was um, second in that two-up sprint with you for the yep. for the title there, and uh, he, he's heading over to Europe as well this morning. So it, there'll be probably plenty of Aussie cyclists milling around the airports in the coming days as they all head off to Europe. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it sounds like there's a lot of a lot of riders heading overseas. Um, you know, you got quite a lot of um, Aussie Aussie teams over. Um, doing races in Asia at the moment, as well as um, by the sounds of it, a couple of teams are heading across to the States, I think, quite soon. Mm. Um, and then you got got other riders um, and us as a team, we're heading over to Europe to do quite a, quite a large block of racing. We'll get into that a bit more later, but um, I'm, getting, I'm getting off topic again. We should be talking more about um, <laughs> Tassie. So back to the courses, I mean, what were they like? It's um, I, th- I thought talking to Grace, um, she said the profiles, I mean, they're a bit de- deceptive um, in their 
they looked quite easy, but the course itself was um, quite hard. Both the time trial course, which was, what is it, a 41 kilometer out and back course, and the 26.7 kilometer road course. Yeah, I mean, describe what the, what the setup was there in Evandale. Uh, time trial course was very flat on the profile. And um, I mean, it was quite a flat, fast course, um, just with a couple little rollers more towards the turnaround. But I think the thing with a time trial like that, uh, it's so long being 41K, um, it's sort of, you know, you really got to put in the work to perform there. Um, and obviously the guys who had focused on it, they, you know, they sort of the cream rose to the top. Um, you know, guys like Sean Lake and Hamish Bond who sort of spend the time in that position um, and training for it because it is such a long time to sort of be in that position and be uncomfortable. So, yeah, it was a tough course and it was quite open in sections, which, you know, you sort of felt the wind quite a lot. But, yeah, I thought it was, yeah, it was a good course and obviously suited, suited the guys who had put in the work for the time trial. And then the road course, I thought, was awesome. I, it was just a super hard day. Um, I think for everyone, it didn't really matter what you did. If you'd sort of sat in and done nothing, sort of guys were getting to the end pretty pretty knackered or whether you'd been sort of out the front in breaks. And that, I think the course just um, with the undulations and even coming off of the main climb uh, was still pretty undulating and, again, undulating all the way to the finish with quite a lot of wins. So I think, yeah, it just made for a really tough day. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It produced some interesting champions, certainly. I mean, in the men's TT, as you mentioned, uh, Hamish Bond took the win there. Yeah. Um, a real powerhouse there, along with Sean Lake, who was 32 seconds down on him in the end. Yeah. Um, and James Ogilvy, who's yeah. um, a name, we, I mean, most people probably won't know, but he's... Um, former triathlete who's gone into cycling recently and broke the hour record, uh, the world hour record in um, the 35 to 39 age group uh, recently. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, it suited those guys who were, you know, prepared to put the power down for a long amount of time and stay in that position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, moving to under-23s and under-19s, it was Jake Marriott um, from New Zealand who took the win there over Liam McGuinness. And your teammate, Jason Lee, there in third. Uh, Luke Plapp, uh, Finn Fisher-Black and Tyler Lindorf, about the top three there from the under-19s. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to race against Luke recently. I mean, he looked, um, his results certainly looked impressive at the Tour of Mansfield. I mean, I, I can't remember who you were there, Chris, sorry. No, I wasn't at Mansfield. So I don't think, I, I'm not sure whether I've ever raced him or not, to be honest. Yeah, well, he was, he was really good at nationals as well, obviously, and definitely a name to watch for the future. Yeah, so moving on to the road race now, and this is where you, this is where you really come in, Chris. I mean, you were you were solid in the time trial for I think it was eighth, wasn't it? Yeah, I, would, I think solid is a pretty generous word. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had a shocker in the time trial, but um, yeah, no, I haven't I haven't put in the work for the time trial, but I figured if I was going to go to Oceana's, I'd like to do more than just the just the one event um, and get get a bit bit more out of the weekend. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so the road race, I mean, I was following it on Twitter and it seemed like a, an absolute hectic race. I mean, a lot of attacking, quite quite a tactical back and forth there between 
um, between the breakaways and the peloton, and the peloton would then, you know, thin down, and it became quite a quite an elite selection at the end there. Yeah, I think all day was sort of people just trying to get off the front, and then obviously you sort of got, you know, us, um, Drapak and Mobius all quite well represented, probably the biggest squads. Um, and so obviously every time that there is a move up the road, it's sort of if one of us misses it, then you got to do the work to bring it back. Um, but we had we had a really strong team there and we were able to cover everything and sort of put us in a situation where we were happy with pretty much everything we were in. And then, yeah, it sort of just becomes a tactical battle about, you know, having the numbers at the front at the race um, so that you can win from that position. Describe, like, what do you think the pivotal points of the race were? Because um, there was that climb every lap, um, quite a grinding climb from um, what I've heard of the descriptions of it. Was that was that the launch pad for, you know, a lot of attacks or was it just um, full on for pretty much the whole race? Look, I mean, the climb obviously was quite fatiguing, but it wasn't uh, earlier in the day we thought it was going to be a tailwind up, which probably would have been better for someone, you know, like myself. Um, but it was actually getting towards the top of the climb. It was actually, you know, you still got quite a good sit on the wheel because it wasn't particularly steep. So the climb did play a part, but I think just the rest of the course being so undulating and with the wind, there were just so many places that people could launch from that I think that probably had more of an effect on everyone than than the climb, which a lot of the time was just sort of ridden at that tempo sort of pace. Okay, so it, it got down to a fairly elite selection coming into the last um, lap, and I think it was... Well, from the, from the race report, it was about nine or ten of you um, coming into that final lap? Yeah, we had had quite a select group up the front and that was sort, we were sort of getting gaps that, you know, the peloton wasn't going to come back. Um, we actually had Cam Bailey coming across the gap for a while, which was pretty impressive, seeing he was, he was solo and it definitely isn't an easy course to, to ride by yourself on. Um, and he got really close and then... Uh, just coming into the last lap, he didn't quite make it. So then it's sort of, you know, we, me and Jason uh, in the front group had to start thinking about how we were going to gonna win from that group. Um, were you looking around and seeing names like um, Ryan Thomas, Angus Lyons, Oliver Martin, uh, Cyrus Monk, James Whelan? I mean, who were, you, who were you worried about in that front group there? Uh, well, Cyrus is the obvious one. You know, Cyrus has got a really good kick on him which means for me and Jace, we need to get rid of him because we're probably not going to beat him in a kick. And then obviously James Whelan has quite a good kick on him as well, I believe. Um, and Ryan Thomas, I know as well, um, has quite a good kick on him as well. So that's where into the last lap I sort of started to attack up the climb um, just to try and get rid of some of those quicker guys and in the end going over the top. It was down to me, Jason, Cyrus. So, you know, it, it sort of made it a little bit simpler from there. But then there was the tough task of trying to get rid of Cyrus, which we just couldn't do. And so that sort of neutralised the race a bit and brought um, and brought James uh, back into it? Yeah, well, we were sort of mucking around for a bit and me and Jason uh, were trying to 
go solo and just kept one-twoing Cyrus. Um, and full credit to him, he was strong enough to to cover every time we went. I just me and Jace just didn't really have the speed to get rid of him. Uh, and so then we were more thinking. Jace is obviously a lot quicker than me, so maybe leaving him a little bit fresher into the finish and seeing if he can roll Cyrus. Um, and then then Whelan actually came back, which sort of made things a bit more interesting because, yeah, there was sort of that one extra person to who probably wanted to win as well and then, well, made it simpler because obviously if one of us went, um, it wasn't just Cyrus to follow. There was also Whelan. Well, yeah, and of course, they're both on the same team as well, Drapak. Um, yeah, well, well there, what I always find weird about the Oceanias is the dynamic between the under-23s and the elite. I mean, um, <laughs> it must be... I mean, obviously, you, I mean, it's simplest if you just go for the win and try and take it out that way. But yeah, um, yeah. in this case, I mean, there weren't actually any elite riders there. So, I mean, you could have just been happily uh, tapping it out to the finish and you would have taken out the elite title. Yeah, I mean... It- it is a weird one, um, but the way that the UCI views it is it's sort of just you get the points based on who crosses the line first, regardless of whether they're elite or under 23. So obviously in the back of our minds, we always want to win it. Uh, but at that stage when we were struggling to get rid of Cyrus, it sort of was almost a, I'm going to win elites regardless. Um maybe leave Jace a bit fresher to try win the under-23s and win the race overall. Yeah, so coming to that um, final push the line then, I mean, what was what was the what were the tactics going on? How did the final move come about? Uh, well, James came back to us uh, and then he, he put in an attack, which I followed. And then at the time I sort of, you know, wasn't prepared to work with him just because, you know, I thought if he, he wanted more of a chance to finish up well in the uh, under-23s, then, you know, it was sort of his job to continue on with it. Uh, so I sort of tried to play it cool and just sit back and let the other two muck around a bit. And then uh, he actually hit out quite early from the from the line in the end, which sort of gave me a perfect run into the finish. The last time it came down to a two-up sprint with you, um, it was you versus um, Alex Edmondson at the national championships. Um, did you take any take any pointers from there and you know um, <laughs> and use them to your advantage here? Yeah, I think I think the benefit this time was uh, sort of I had the I had the cards to play in this race, whereas at nationals I sort of was just trying to get to the line to hold on for a medal and. You know, Alex being the type of rider he is there, I think even if I was on his wheel for the last 3K, I still don't think I'd roll him in a sprint. Whereas, obviously, James being a bit more of a climber, um, as well as having a good kick on him, uh, I thought, especially because it's such a hard day, you know, fatigue plays into that, I thought there was a pretty good chance I could still get over the top of him. Well, and you did, and um, you're now the Oceania uh, champions. So congratulations for that. Um, it, yeah, I mean, I'm filling out the podium with you there was uh, Ryan Thomas and Oliver Martin, both of the Brisbane Continental Cycling Team. And for the under-23s, it was James Whelan, of course, taking first with Cyrus Monk second and Jason Lee third. Um, but, yeah, congrats to you guys there. I mean, a good... Uh, 
good a good return for your team um in the race. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Um in the under 19s it was the young up and comer Carter Turnbull from Inform Make who finished first there uh, ahead of Josh Lane and Sam Cook who are both New Zealanders. I can't say I know too much about them, but I mean they you know, they've got some talent there to do so well against yeah, yeah. Uh, you know pretty strong spelling field. Yeah, well, so congratulations are in order, but um, we'll move on now to talk about yeah some of the uh, some of the other Australian talents uh, making making waves overseas. Um, so first of all, I mean, I suppose the biggest race been going on for Australians has been um, the Tour of Lane Cowie, where we've seen a number of uh, local teams doing uh, doing some really good rides over there. Um, Probably highlighted by Ben Dybel uh, taking third overall um, on the GC, um, including his second place finish on the Queen stage, where it looked like he was pretty much the strongest rider, but uh, just couldn't catch the the late attack of um, of Etchkin there, and yeah. ended up taking third overall. Um, but you know, Ben, it's great to see him continue to do these really good rides. Um, I think everyone in Australia knows he's one of the best climbers around. Um, well, I mean, you've competed against him many times. Um, I'm thinking particularly the Tour of Bright, um, where you've had a few stashes with Ben Dybul. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's a great ride by Dybul. And uh, I did Lane Cowie last year, and that climb's definitely not mm. an easy climb to ride away from a group on. So, you know, he must have been going really well. But everyone knows that with Dybul. I think he's, you know, he's been the fastest up things like Mount Fuji before. So, you know, he's... You know, he's one of the best, well, arguably the best, one of the best climbers in in Australia. So it's it's not really an unexpected result for him. Um, but yeah, it's a good result for him and the team as well. I think um, that's the first time they've they've done Lane Cowie, and obviously it's always good to go to that first race and get a good performance on the board. Yeah, I mean, the St. George Continental boys sounded very happy with that one on their social media, um, as they well should be. I was going to re- reference your sixth place finish last year. Um, what's what's the what sort of race is the Tour Lane Cowie? I mean, it's a quite a big one for Asia, isn't it? Yeah, it's well, it's ranked as a HC, so obviously that's quite big, um, quite big and good for us to go to. You try to get get um, as many invites to those sort of races as you can. Uh, and it's great to have, you know, some of the bigger, bigger teams in the world to race against as well. Uh, it's always good to sort of gauge where you are against some of the other bigger teams in the world. So yeah, I think Lane Cowie's a really good race, and um, it's well run. And you know, they've got stages there for sort of everybody, which is good as well. Yeah, well, speaking of, there was some really good rides by other Australians there. Um, Harry Sweeney from uh, the, uh, not Michelin, Scott Riley Bike Exchange, Michelin Bike Exchange, that's the name of the team. Um, he, he was right up there in the GC for a while. And, um, yeah, I mean, only slipped down just in the final few stages there. So, I mean, he's a talent for the future, of course. Um, Sam Crone from Benelong. Uh, yeah. Big fan of him, obviously, over here. And he's... He's continuing his good form. Um, he was right up there on GC and, yeah, on a number of stages as well. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't so great for the sprinters. Um, Hayden Groves, the youngster from St. George, and Scott Sunderland, uh, both of them crashed out after promising starts to the race. I don't know 
the precise nature of Caden's in, injuries, but um, Scott had his second concussion in um, a short amount of time. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to be careful with that sort of stuff and hopefully he recovers fully because, um, you know, he's a, he's a great part of any Australian, of the Australian sprinting ranks. So sending our thoughts out to Scott and hopefully he recovers well. I think he's, uh, I think he's back in Australia now and sort of uh, getting everything checked out just to make sure he's, he's all good. Um, but yeah, obviously disappointing for him coming back from such a nasty fall last year and he's, you know, been working really hard to sort of get back into the racing and then a couple of stages in that happens. But yeah, I guess that's bike racing and you can't really control it. And I'm sure uh, Scotty will, you know, rest up and get through his recovery well and he'll be back, back smashing people in sprints in no time. For certain, yeah. Moving on now to another race in Asia over the weekend, and it was Michael Potter from uh, ACA, the Australian Cycling Academy on the Sunshine Coast there, who won the Tour de Tochigi, um, winning the Stage 1 uh, opening time trial and Stage 2 as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, we've all been impressed with how quickly Michael Potter's really come into the road racing ranks um, after coming over from mountain biking. But I mean, to win a to win a, a big stage race in Asia, I mean, it's not quite the Tour de Langkawi in terms of prestige, but it's you know it's still a good race. I mean, Ben Hill won last year. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've raced Potter a little bit um, throughout the summer, and he's definitely quite a talented rider. Um, especially hasn't been been doing road cycling for long, so I think it's you know great for, great for him and the team. Uh, it will probably give him a a lot of confidence going into into the rest of the year. Yeah, and uh, Stu Shaw in particular raves about um, his talent. So, yeah, I mean, definitely a name to watch the future and the present as well. He's already winning stuff. So, yeah. Um, as, as mentioned, uh, Ben Hill, um, we returned to defend his title. I mean, it's his first race back in the saddle um, since his horrific injury at the end of last year in um, when he was racing, or was it Heinen? Two of Hainan, I think. Anyway, um, yeah, and he got stuck over there in China for ages, you know, with visa issues and being unable to fly during, due to his injuries. So great to see him back on the bike. And he did pretty well as well. He was up there in all the stages. Um, and, yeah, fifth in the first stage and fourth on the final stage. So, yeah, I mean, Benny's a, Benny's a bloody hard competitor and he'll, he'll just keep on uh, smashing it. <laughs> I think, I mean, it doesn't matter how, how injured he's been or how much time he's had off the bike. Yeah, yeah. I uh, saw Benny a fair bit. He was uh, living in Adelaide for a while um, while Beck was doing the track stuff. And as he was sort of coming back, and I remember seeing him, one of his first couple rides back on on the bike. And then two weeks later, he's out sort of sprinting everyone on the bunches and back into racing. I think that's just the sort of, sort of rider he is he just loves to race and yeah it's great to see him back and doing so well in his first race I think he heads across to Europe now I think he was saying and I'm sure he'll uh he'll have plenty of good results over there yeah I mean he's with that um new Slovenian setup um Christ what's the name BTC Ljubljana slash headcrack which of course is Tim Guy's um project where he's you know looking to increase um, awareness of mental health issues and you know treatment um, issues. Yeah, 
Yeah, we should get should get Tim on to talk about it at some stage because it's a really interesting project. Yeah, for anyway, sure. Yeah, anyway, continuing on the Tour de Tochigi. And yeah, Robbie Hucker um, continued his impressive um, showings for Team Yukio um, over there in Japan, finished fourth overall. And Freddie Ovette was seventh overall. Um, good, uh, good race for Toby Orchard as well, probably worth mentioning from ACA there. Um, yeah, just he's, he's come up in leaps and bounds in the last few years. And yeah, he's definitely another name to watch. I, I say that so much though, because we've got so much young talent in Australia at the moment. Um, Obviously, a lot of young guys coming up, and then you got got the uh, more experienced riders, um, you know, doing well in races as well. Like uh, I think you mentioned Hacker, and you know Hacker was impressive at Tour of Taiwan, um, where he was in the in the lead, and then obviously he's had another good good ride good ride at Tachigi. Um, but that's the type of rider Hacker is. I don't think I've ever. You know, I raced with him last year and I don't think there was ever a race where Hucker was going bad. He's just all, always good and always consistent and sort of the type of rider you can rely on on any terrain. He's just super talented. Yeah, and we'll move on now to talking a bit about big names. Obviously, we, we prefer to talk about the, the, the smaller, more local riders here, but um, it's worth noting that uh, we're coming into the cobbled classics now, so it means like a different sort of rider is going to um, excel. And obviously, one of your best mates, um, Alex Edmondson, is um, going to be one of the key Australians in those races, uh, Chris. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, definitely looking forward, looking forward to watching these races and seeing how Edmo goes. Um, I actually realised the other day I'll be in Europe when the races will be on, which will be nice. I won't have to sit up till two in the morning <laughs> to see what happens. Um, but yeah, I think he's, he's been, he's been having some good races uh, in his legs and it'll be interesting to see how he goes over the next couple of weeks. Well, I mean, it will mean that you will unfortunately miss the superb SPS coverage of the races, but don't worry. We'll, um, we'll pay you some slack there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, worth mentioning for Michelin Scott as well that Luke Durbridge is going to be a, a big card for them and Matteo Trentin, obviously the Italian superstar that recruited across. Um, hopefully Durbridge has fully recovered from that nasty crash at Nationals. I mean, obviously had a lot of time off the bike, so that's going to it's going to eat into his preparation, certainly, and um, hopefully he's back to full fitness now. You know, he's flying at Nationals, so mm. hopefully he's got himself, got himself back to a... Um, you know, back fit again, and uh, I'm sure he'll be a big card that Mitchelton can play if he is going well. And probably the final person I wanted to mention was Jay McCarthy, who's been looking in some superb form at the recent uh, Volta Catalunya, um, going up against names like you know Valverde, those sort of those sort of big names in the sport. And you know, he's getting over those tough climbs and still sprinting it out to the finish. So, I mean, that's going to stand him in good stead going into the Ardennes, which are going to be his big early adjustments the season um yeah i think i think it's almost time that where we can start to say okay that's we can almost expect a, a big result um coming his way quite soon i'd say yeah for sure and i mean obviously you know he was in great form throughout summer and taking out cadells so yeah i think you know he, he's super strong bike rider so there's uh I'd, yeah you you'd sort of expect a well, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise at all if you you see him take out one of those those one dayers. 
well, fingers crossed for that. And again, the sort of races that we like to stay up in late nights and, you know, get your, I don't know, what your, whatever your beverage of choice is, a hot chocolate, a coffee, <laughs> and stay up a bit later. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah, watch the races. Um, I think that we're going to have to wrap it up. So best of luck for you over in um, in Europe, Chris. Um, Thank you very what's, much. What's the race schedule look like at this moment? At the moment, I head across and do, I think it's called the Circuit Dardens, and then Tour of Jura a couple of weeks later, and then run out tours or something like that. Uh, and then I'll race the Tour of Japan and then back across to to Europe for one more tour, which we did last year, uh, which is Mont Blanc Savoy. Yeah, that's a that's, that's quite an important selection race. I think uh, Ben O'Connor got picked up for the World Tour based mostly on his results at that race, going up against you know some of the better climbers, some of the better developing climbers in the world. So yeah, I mean, and you were you placed well there last year, didn't you? Yeah, not too bad. I had a I had a bad first day there and lost quite a bit of time, and I think I ended up twelfth overall. But there was, I think that was my first race in Europe. So it was a great experience for me. And um, yeah, it's definitely, it's a brutal race. And you got sort of the best up and coming climbers in the world. Like Egan Bernal was there last year and quite convincingly won it. And then look where he is now, sort of coming second to Valverde um, in Catalonia. So yeah, mm. it definitely is, uh, is a race for, sort of up-and-coming climbers and uh, sort of a race I'd like to target uh, this year to sort of try, you know, be up there as well. Well, we'll be certainly uh, wishing you all the best from back here in Australia. So uh, best of luck over there. And, yeah, we'll make sure to catch catch all of your results over there. Okay? Thank you very much. And thanks for having <laughs> me on. We shall look forward now to a place where maybe you will be ending up in the future. We'll look at a bit of the Women's World Tour action and particularly the Aussies um, on show there. And been, it's been some really good racing. I think um, we can all agree for anyone who's been staying up late and watching illicit streams of um, the Women's World Tour. I mean, occasionally you can catch one on Eurosport, I think, but you'd be, you'd be lucky to do that. Um, yeah, so it's the classics period at the moment and... We've seen Lucy Kennedy, who's been on the podcast in the past, um, a friend of the podcast, we'll call her, and <laughs> a, lo- a lovely person to boot. Uh, she's been lighting it up in her early season racing over there. She's um, she's actually had a domestic role for a lot of those races, but she's been so strong that she's made it to those final selections anyway and then ridden for, you know, top 10 results, top five results in those races. So, like Strada Bianchi in particular, she was looking great there. Um, Grace, I mean, Lucy, she's just stepped up straight away and bit made the impact. Yeah, um, um, particularly, you know, I have a, a soft, fond spot for Lucy because we were on the team, uh, the national development team together last year, and it's it's really awesome to see um, her thriving in her first year in, um, in a pro team in Europe. Uh, there's always a bit of doubt when um, you make the jump, so... Yeah, it's it's yeah, really really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, of course, she's she's one of your biggest rivals um, on the NRS scene last year, but um, won't be won't be the case this year, which I suppose is a good thing because uh, there's some races last year where she just made it look easy. Um, I'm thinking particularly, <laughs> I'm thinking particularly battle on the border, which you guys weren't at, which 
which did actually make it easier, I'd say. Um, there was just one stage where, similar to you in the road race, she had a mechanical at exactly the wrong time and took ages to get back on and then just rode away like it was no, like it was nothing at the end and took an easy win. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's good to see her given the chance to go up a level and do the same thing to the Europeans over there. And it's not too long until we see a massive win from her, I think. Yeah, and she's a phenomenal athlete. And um, I think, you know, there's, there's many good things to come for her. Mm. Um, also, has really been uh, turning heads over there has been Gracie Elvin. Um, made a number of uh, really key attacks at times during the classics so far. So races like uh, Ronda Van Donenta, um, those sort of, again, well, again, she was again on the attack the other day. And she, yeah, she puts in those really big efforts towards the end of races and she's been off the front by herself in like small little uh, one, two, three person groups um, there. And it just it hasn't quite worked out into a win yet, but you can just see her knocking on the door and, her big target for this one is Tour of Flanders, which will be shown on SBS uh, this weekend. So make sure you tune in for that. And hopefully we see Gracie Elvin improve that second from last year into win this year. Um, yeah, just a phenomenal athlete, um, Gracie. Yeah, I'm really excited to um, see what Gracie's ready to, ready to produce at Flanders this weekend. I know that she's had that um, as her goal, like, since last year and f from before then really so um yeah and she spends she lives in Ghent in the lead up to um that event um so yeah it'd be really good to to see her come away with a deserved result there yeah I mean what was your taste of Belgium like when you're over there um with the national development team um how how different is it racing over those cobbles um, we didn't, most of the races we did in Belgium were the crits, which had cobbles, but um, it's not nothing like the, the classics. Um, we, we did some racing in Germany that was maybe a little bit like that, but I think that's, that's something that I still am yet to experience. Mm. Um, who else? Oh, Chloe Hosking, obviously she's been up there so many times. I mean, it seems like um, every single race she's grabbing a second place, but and you know just losing out to a different sprinter each time. Um, though she did turn, uh, she did turn lead out um, person in the last race and helped her teammate Marta Bastianelli to um, a win in Game Game again. So yeah, it's it's been it's been really good signs from Chloe. It, it's just it's just missing out on that half a meter, maybe that you know split second when you need to jump. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sure not sure she'd be happy with all those second places because, you know, deep down she's a winner and um, she's such a fierce competitor. I know she'd want to be winning all the time. Yeah, I don't think any any sprinter likes coming second or third. Um, but I think, you know, she's she's expressed her disappointment a little bit on social media. Um, but I think she should she should still be proud of the fact that she's up there and getting so many results still. Um, and I'm sure her time will come to be on the top of the podium. She is she's one of the best sprinters in the women's peloton, so she'll get there. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And another one probably to mention is Amanda Spratt. Um, 
she's coming into her really best form at the moment um, with the aim being on the Ardennes, obviously, um, those sort of hilly races where she's being really well suited and she's opted to even forego the Commonwealth Games to um, to take that take that opportunity of going for those Ardennes. So make sure you keep an eye out on Amanda Spratt. She's one of our brightest talents over there at the moment. Um, Grace, thanks. Thanks for joining us, I guess. Um, chatting, chatting cycling and uh, chatting about your your own preparation for Oceania's and um, congratulations on your results over the weekend. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Thanks for having me. And that should just about wrap it up for the Breakdown podcast. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, all the various social medias and uh, maybe give us a good review on iTunes or something like that um, or your podcast purveyor of choice. Okay, um, we shall see you around. Okay, bye. Bye.